Welcome to episode 68 of the Real Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and I'm joined by Nevsh yeah. to my left. Oh, hell yeah. Second ep of the year. Second ep. Um, Nevsh, uh, let's catch up. We've been chilling. You've been watching yeah. any movies lately? So I've been, I've been watching some movies, but I finally got to finish a television show that I have been watching for like the past five months now. And that show is The Sopranos. This is a certified hood classic. It truly is. Sopranos is is a certified hood classic. Um, And I would pay money to be in your position and rewatch that final season for the first time. No, Because you only get to do it once. Yes. Final season really got me. I think more so than the other ones. Um, It was kind of crazy, though, uh, reading more about it from David Chase. It was like the end-all, be-all, how he led up to it. All the characters, their downfall, and it's just an all-around great show. I uh, I really liked it. The ending, it really fucked with me. Really loved it. Um, I still think about it, and I think the best way I can describe it is um, it's the best representation of death from amazing. any media. It's I think I, I think that's how I would put it, because like. There was this weird implication at the time when Sopranos ended and people were like, wait, what happens? It, it yeah, was, but, like, but like what actually happens? There like, was this weird thing like people were like, they don't know what happens, so it's bad. Like when, when I went yeah. back and did the research, like at the time, it was not well received. Right. I think when people sit with it and they, they kind of realize, you know, that there's no way to satisfy everybody with an ending of a show yeah. like that, like one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah. And, and I think the way they did it is the best way. Yeah, because you so. fill in, you fill that in, and it kind of sucks that shows had that reputation. Because it wasn't just Sopranos that I think suffered from it, but I think a bunch of other shows during that time, maybe before and after that, ended, and a lot of people had that bad rap over it. Even though it was, it was there was more to it than that. It wasn't rushed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a Game of Thrones where it was I agree, rushed. Yeah, you know, from what I've heard, from the Game last of season fans. of Sopranos does yeah. not feel rushed. No, it feels like. It feels more meticulous than the other yeah, seasons. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. So yeah. it's dealing with like a lot deeper like subject matter. Yeah, and it's not rushed at all. No, most plot lines are deep. Yeah, loved it. I I could talk about that all day, but um, our main topic actually for this specific episode, Nathan, was more just television series in general and how they've evolved. Yeah, so I got the idea for this episode because what I've been doing on this break is mm-hmm. binge watching. Tulsa King. Nice. Tulsa King, it stars Sylvester Stallone. He plays a mobster who just got out of jail, just finished doing 25 years and didn't rat. And he comes home and he's expecting to be greeted to a, with a big party. And he's greeted by, you know, his friends who are now old, his old mobster friends who are now yeah. older. Mm-hmm. And are basically like, hey, like, it's not like how it was before in your time. Like, shit's different. Yeah. We're not making money like we used to. Like, <laughs> there's no money for to be made in New York no more. And you want to make some money? You got to go to Tulsa, start something up there. And he's like, "What the fuck? Like, <laughs> this is the reward I get? You know what I mean?" Yeah. So, and then that kind of, that kind of, you know, kickstarts him going to Tulsa, and you know, the two aspects. It's like Tulsa, the, him trying to do the mob New York stuff in Tulsa, and mm-hmm. also him like trying to learn new technology. 
Yeah. Like in the first episode, I think it's hilarious. He passes by a dispensary. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> like, wait, what are they selling in there? This shit is legal. How did they stay open? <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, in 25 years, this shit has changed. You know? Times have changed. Times have changed. Anyway, it's a great show. I think it really showcases some range from Stallone. He steals every scene he's in. And I'd say it's a must watch for anybody fan of gangster films or fan of Stallone. Yeah. And that kind of gave me the idea of like, that kind of got me thinking like, damn, nowadays, you know, a lot of traditional film actors are are making a transition to uh, to TV shows. Yeah. Uh, I've watched um, recently, the last couple of years, uh, Amazon Prime's Hunters that has right. Al Pacino in it. Mm-hmm. I'll watch anything Pacino's in. Oh, absolutely. So uh, that just got picked up for a second season he's returning for. Yeah. Kevin Costner is starring in one of the biggest shows on TV right now, Yellowstone, yep. on Paramount+. Plus. And I think it's, personally, I think it's really cool to see these actors uh, try something different and go the, the TV show route, because yeah. I think that they get um, unique roles that you don't really see them in, in in movies. Oh, for sure. I feel like with these traditional actors, like Kevin Costner, Pacino, and Sloan, they're taking different roles than what they're usually used to, I feel like. And uh, the format of television as well allows their characters to grow even more Mm -hmm. so you have that and you also have a chance to work on this set again the next season there's a sense of like actually working Mm -hmm. in film and even though it's like Pacino even though it's like Kevin Costner even though these are all recognizable actors they don't get all the roles they don't get all the, especially depending on how older they, how old they are and stuff. It, it happens with both. Um, I mean, that's women true. and men. In There's film. only so many roles that eighty year old Al Pacino can play. He yeah. can't play Scarface. No, nope. like, he can't. He can't. Yeah. So I, I I know what you're what you're saying. I think it's maybe yeah in the in the you know the twilight of their careers. Yeah. They, it's they even like action stars. It's even like action stars today, like Statham and The Rock and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like they're in their fifties. They're no longer the modern action star anymore. If the anything, modern action star barely exists anymore. No, I would say like actors like who who's the guy that is in Reacher now? That show, you know, like an actor oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. he's like thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, they're at, at a certain point he's going to be forty, and then they're going to get newer actors. Yeah, the modern young action star, like you know, you think about the eighties, how many young oh, action yeah. stars there was. You know, it was Stallone, young. It was Stallone. Schwarzenegger. It was these big Van Damme. Van Damme, like, yeah, so many stars. Yeah, right? but it's young stars. It's different times now, and I feel like with these actors, they're taking a very not a risky route. I would say it's a very safe route on taking on shows like look at Costner he's doing Yellowstone how many seasons are they at already they're at five season five season six like yeah I'm not got sure six but years that, worth but of uh that show is is on fire like yeah. they're gonna they're gonna milk that for oh, as many seasons as they can absolutely especially on Paramount Plus a yep. new streaming service trying to get subscribers yeah that doesn't surprise me at all absolutely and I, I also think that you know part of that is is what you're saying about them being older and, you know, maybe having to be more selective of their roles and, and there right. are fewer options. But I also think that, the sh- you know, the era that we're in, the streaming era that we're in, there's just a lot of money and, like, you know, yeah. bags that these actors didn't have before. Like, right. I don't think Pacino was getting a lot of offers for TV shows when he no. was, you know what I mean? Because it just wasn't... It just wasn't a th- He might have been thing. given offers back in the 90s and stuff for, like, a miniseries, but I feel like... At that point in his career, he was doing Heat. He was doing Scent of a Woman. He yeah. was doing Devil's Advocate. He was still, like, trying new things in film. And now we're in an era where all these streaming companies 
want to have the best streaming service and they all yeah. seem to just have this unlimited money. Yes, that unlimited. they're pouring into. <laughs> That's how they make it seem, right? Yes, yeah. That's how they make it seem. So far, I mean, Nef- you know, Netflix, like, you, you see how much money this, these guys spend and Prime Video trying to become a big player and, right. and all these other streaming services that there's just so many shows now. There's so many yeah. opportunities for these actors, I guess. Uh I, I guess that's why more people are transitioning from um, film to TV. Yeah. It, it makes sense, I guess, because, you know, they put in the money. Amazon, they put in that Lord of the Rings show for how much? Like $500 yeah, million. Stupid dollars? amount of money. And I think we've talked about that with films before on the pod about how right. these, these films are just overdoing each other. I think we talked about that in the... Uh, in the 2010s episode a lot yeah. about how, you know, Marvel and stuff just kept, you know, going higher and higher and, and, and the budgets just kept getting bigger and bigger. Movies like Avatar and, and stuff. It's yeah. like, where does it end? And now TV shows are doing the same thing. That's another interesting thing too. I know we didn't discuss it beforehand, but I felt like, I remember reading an article when I think Indiana Jones 4 came out. This was during the Spielberg, George Lucas, like resurgence of their franchises. Yeah. So you know how Lucas did the prequels and then Spielberg's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll go back to making the fourth one, I yeah. guess. And uh, now he's not directing any of the Indiana Jones films. But regardless, I think there was an interview with both of them saying like, the bubble's going to pop at some point with these films where it's like, you're going to have a movie that costs so much money and flops so hard mm-hmm. that the studio will never recover. They'll yeah. literally just go down the drain and then that's it. Yeah, like how many of these all-in bets can yeah. you make? Like, you know, with James Cameron, yeah. like with Avatar, he's making an all-in bet. And, and so far, it looks like it's going to pay off. Oh, yeah, for that one. And but... in that particular franchise, it'll pay off. But yeah. like you said, there's going to be a movie yeah. that the execs think there's no way it can lose. Right. Let's go all-in again. Yeah. We've got a good track record of going all-in and it's not going to win. It's That's the bad way of betting with some films yeah. i feel like back in the day like the 70s and 80s what studios would do was would they would be like okay here's here's our chips we'll give a little bit to this filmmaker we'll give a little bit to that we'll give a small amount to the student filmmaker mm-hmm. and see where it goes and then out of the six filmmakers for them give them a profit and they're like yep we're good you yeah, know. they were diversifying their portfolios. Absolutely, because yeah, back so in the day, it's yeah. like the highest grossing film in the 70s. Like, you look at the inflation, and even with the inflation, their budgets were like, if it was made today, $20 million. Yeah, highest grossing is... film. You'll never see that. No. You'll, you'll never, never see a $20 million dollar film make that much money, let alone make a profit in theaters. Yeah, you're like, come on. Or even make it to theaters. They, like, you'll the, never see it. The mid-budget film no longer exists, and I feel like they yeah. transitioned that to streaming platforms. They're like, we'd rather... We'd rather put in $30 million on a show than a movie in theaters, mm-hmm. which I think we talked briefly about with Obi-Wan and how they handled it. Yeah, I mean, the you know the Kenobi show on Disney+, Plus, I, I enjoyed it, but right. there was... The way I feel about that show is it, it really could have been better. Like, there yeah. were some filler episodes. Like, I yeah. felt like some episodes were masterpieces and some were filler. And, you know, when I did some research, I found out why is because mm. it was written as a feature length film. Yeah. A regular movie and was then broken up into these episodes. And obviously they have to add some filler. Yeah. Which is why you get like, uh, you know, young Leia getting kidnapped exactly. twice in a row. They save her <laughs> and then she gets kidnapped again in the next episode. And you're like, really? Like, I want to yeah. see fucking Obi-Wan. Like, 
Yeah, they did the same with Boba Fett, right? Where it's like, oh, the book of Boba Fett. It's like, wait a minute, there's an episode where Boba Fett's not even in the yeah, fucking show. But to me, it was like, with this source material, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor returning for the yeah. first time since 2003. Yeah. Uh, Hayden Christensen returning since the first time since 2003. Three, five, yeah. Or, oh, sorry, Revenge of the Sith came out in... 05, I think. In 05. But still, yeah. A long time. A long fucking time. Yes. Almost 20 years, whatever. Right. So... How do you lose? You know what I mean? It seems like one of those, one of those, like, like almost like a no way home situation. Like, how do you lose? Yeah. But they just, it just seemed like, I just wish I saw the film version of it. Yeah. In, in that particular case, it felt stretched. And that's, and that's what like fans do nowadays. It's like, especially with Star Wars, it's like, oh, we got the Obi-Wan fan cut. So guaranteed there's somewhere out there that there's like a two and a half hour long. It's like, do you ever see that post about the Irishman? Because this is this is the opposite of Obi Wan, where it's like people couldn't watch the whole movie, so what they did was they did chapters. That pissed me off. What the fuck was that? That fucking pissed me off. The fuck is that if shit? If you watch The Irishman in chapters, what the fuck are you doing? They they put like a little like oh, imagine The Irishman but on Quibi. It's like hence why Quibi is gone. Yeah. Nobody fucking. I watches saw that. that people were making graphics like yeah. oh, watch from this this time to no. 2305 and and then you know what the original of that was it was called an intermission and it ha- it happened during the middle of the film so that yeah. you can go to a wa- go to the washroom whatever that's literally what films used to do when their time lengths were beyond 3 hours yeah understandably bring that they- shit back Fuck yeah. Is that like not a good idea? Like for, I, I mean, I guess maybe there's not too many films coming out that are over three hours. I thought Avatar was going to have it because that was three hours. I've never gone to the theater and had an intermission experience. I've even gone to Cineplex. Cineplex was doing the special showing of uh, Godfather 2. Yeah. They didn't have it? Godfather 2 has, literally has yeah. an intermission screen burned into the film. Yeah. And they show the screen for one second, and then they continued the film. No, I was like, "Are you shitting me, guys? What the fuck is?" I the got point a piss. It's Godfather Two. It's funny too, because I remember my grandparents. We watched uh, Doctor Zhivago. It's a classic film, classic film of the '60s. That yeah. had an intermission, but that only lasted for two seconds. So you know what we did? We're like, "Fuck you!" We paused it, and we actually went to the washroom. We're like, like "You know what?" We have the power. Blu-ray has the power. Yeah, exactly. I like to respect the inter- intermission when I watch Godfather Two. Yes. I, I always respect the intermission. I go to the bathroom. I yeah. re-up on the snacks. Then I come back and yeah. watch the second half. Exactly. I mean, the the likelihood of you watching a film with intermission, you, you got to find a re-release. <laughs> you got to find like Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, but, like Cineplex won't even do it. Like it, no, I'm talking shit. like Lightbox. Like yeah, yeah. You got to do fancy shit. But um, anyways, that was a bit of a tangent on the time lengths of shows and movies. But I think it goes into yeah. it of of people's attention spans. You know differing you know yeah i wonder like you know does does obi-wan being cut from a movie to a show reflect that people's attention spans are shorter than they used to be and cutting it up into into episodes makes it you know more digestible for a modern audience or or is it just trying to maximize you know money Uh, what do you think that is might be a little bit of both. I think with Disney, it would be maximizing money after Solo flopped. I think yeah. it lost over $100 million. So they're like, we're done doing spinoff movies. Maybe Star Wars is just scared to make a feature-length film right Probably, now. Probably, especially with the whole sequel trilogy controversy. Yeah. Everyone not 
You know, it's so it's so polarizing that they're too scared to even make a Star Wars film. Now. They're waiting for everybody to forget about that because yeah. they know a couple more years roll around, everyone's gonna be like, "All right, guys, we forgive you. Give me an excellent." No, legit, it's gonna <laughs> yeah. happen. It's good. That's what the fan base will become. Yeah. So I would say twenty twenty eight, maybe late twenty yeah. twenties, they'll they'll make another fucking Star Wars. Time film. heals all, and Absolutely. when the prequel trilogy came out, they got shat on, and now everybody loves them, and now Ewan McGregor comes back, yeah. and everyone. Exactly. so happy and, and once they do all these shows I, I guarantee you they might do like an old republic movie and people are gonna go fucking bad i'd shit. love that they're it's gonna happen yeah i just don't know when but yeah it's all these streaming platforms it's yeah like, let's get into the streaming platforms themselves we're in a weird time there's so many streaming platforms and they seem to just you know keep growing year and year and just keep pumping this all this money and I watched this this good YouTube video about streaming platforms and how that looks like it's coming to an end, like the endless money of yeah. like spending. And it looks like uh, somebody was saying it. Somebody was saying in an interview, and I wish I remembered who. Um, that they think that 2022 was like the final year oh. of these streaming services spending recklessly, recklessly yeah. and that they're going to have to try and treat them like a profitable business from now on and be a little bit yeah. more selective, which I think could be a good thing. I think so. And I think it's also inevitable. It's like how many, yeah. how many more billions can you spend on like stranger yeah. things next season or like, yeah, exactly. There's too many, there's too many of those things happening. And it's like, I even read an article. I don't, I didn't watch the show yet. I heard it was good from people, uh, 1899 mm-hmm. and how that got canceled after one season. But it's because of the fact that it was timed poorly. Yeah. That got released a week before or after uh, Stranger Things Season 4. It's like, what competition are you giving uh-huh. these creators, this platform? And Netflix, willy-nilly, just like fucking released it at the same time. It was like, oh, nobody saw it. It's like, well, no, b- people fucking watched it. It's just that when you release it on top of another show that's way bigger and way more familiar yeah. than... Yeah, is, there's just so many shows. It's like at it any is. given time, there's like yeah. one streaming platform with it. Whether it's you know House of Dragons this year, I watched House of Dragons. Yeah. I loved House of Dragons. That's good. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, Yellowstone now is, is the is the big one that people are tuning into, and uh, Stranger Things was huge when that was coming out. It was yeah. unavoidable. Um, what I wanted to get into is it, from from the customer perspective, like not talking numbers. Yeah. Who do you think is winning the streaming wars right now? Right now? I'm looking at... You know what I'm looking at? I'm kind of looking at Disney more than Amazon, I would say. Well, Netflix, I think, was the... Netflix was dominant. Netflix was... Then it went to shit Netflix was LeBron James of streaming for for a couple of years. Yeah. And they just kept growing, like doubling in in users every year or, you know, more. And... um. And now that kind of seems to to be more stagnant, and they're yeah. they're they're not making much money. And last year, I think, was the first year that they lost more subscribers than they gained. Yeah. So I think Netflix definitely looks less dominant than they did two, three years ago. Yeah. If we were having this conversation two years ago, there would be no conversation. Yeah, it would be, be Netflix, Netflix. Yeah. And then everything else. But uh, Disney Plus, Disney Plus has got a compelling library. Man. They do, uh, especially after they got uh, stars. Mm -hmm. because that's the thing too is like disney has always been like the g-rated platform for everyone and that kind of stinks for me because it's like i want to watch die hard 
which used to be owned by 20th Century Fox. Then Disney bought off 20th Century Fox. And it's like, well, where the fuck do those films go? Those are R-rated. What, yeah. I can't see those? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, 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 you can now. We have Stars Media that it's part of Disney+. Plus. So I'm like, okay, they're learning from their mistakes. Yeah. What they need to learn more about is if you're going to release these shows, don't do a weekly basis if other shows like Netflix, what they used to do was release the entire show. The, yeah. That is, that is still something Netflix does that Amazon and Disney don't. Mm-hmm. So, That's true. I don't know. What, you, what as a as a as a consumer, what do you what do you prefer? Do you prefer to binge a season as soon as it comes out, or because personally, me, while I'd like to find out what happens in a new exciting show like like Kenobi when that was coming out, I, yeah. like I wanted to know the conclusion, right? But it was something to look forward to. It was something that was you know it's a it's a part of your life for longer right. every week, once a week. You're sitting down, you're watching Kenobi. It's it's a thing. You're, you you go on Twitter. You I pre- see the memes. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I prefer to see it regardless. I prefer to have it all there. And even if I don't watch the whole se- series really? that day. Yeah, because it's the sense of convenience that people forget nowadays. It's like, I don't want to have to deal with, like for me, Sopranos. I watch like four episodes. Just like, boom. Yeah. I know it's fucking long, but I have that opportunity. I have that convenience. Mm-hmm. So... I would say the same about shows nowadays. I understand why they do the weekly format. Yeah, it's it becomes more like part of like culture. Like people are just talking about it for longer, and I think that that serves you know shows like Kenobi well. Yeah, but um, that's interesting that you prefer to have the whole season. I think it's because of the movie mentality within me. Because I I prefer movies over uh, shows. Yeah, me too. Of course. Due to the fact that like I can finish a story, the movie, yeah. and move on. With a TV show, you got to put a lot of fucking dedication into it if you want to. I've that's why I probably have tried to watch more shows than finish because Me of too. the first episode. I'm like, I can't. Me too. I'm done after the first Me episode. Too. That's the so. thing. It's like, um, that's the thing. It's like with, um, oh man, I lost my train of thought here. With yeah, with movies, like yeah. you watch a bad movie and you're like, oh okay, that was that was kind of shit, like yeah. whatever. But if you commit to a bad show. It hurts. Yeah, you can't do that. You feel fucking. You yeah, can't. You, you're just gonna let it go. Yeah. A bad movie, you'll watch to its conclusion, and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I watched. It was bad. It was, it Hell, was you know two hours of my day." Even even bad movies, like if it's really bad, I just turn it off during the last bit because yeah, like, I already know what the fuck's going on. With a yeah, show, it's, it's extremely like predictable. You're at the second last episode of a show. It's like, should I keep on going? And it's like, well, I'm already this far. And some shows will just do like 180s, like yeah. based on seasons. That's like, true. Uh, I don't know if this is kind of funny. Like, I might show? get roasted for this, but Riverdale. You ever watch Riverdale? Fucking hell! No, I saw the first season of Riverdale. Okay, in Did all fairness, like it? it was it, not bad. Come on, it was very, very comical. It was yeah. very, you know, like the first season was not bad. Then it started to get sci-fi and yeah. horror yeah. and weird as fuck yeah. and culty. They had these like cult storylines, and it lost me. You it, know what the saddest thing about it is? I I feel like I used to read a, read a few of those Archie comics, like. They're not that far off. No, like, it was Archie, a cool Archie, nod to the Archie comics that like, I also grew up but reading. But Archie, Archie in and of itself, like that concept was very silly. Yeah. So of the course. fact that they tried to make it grounded while also being goofy, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck the CW was smoking, but like they, they It was just profitable. I think it's just seven a classic seasons, it's I just think? a classic situation yeah. of it just being profitable. Yeah. And them stretching it. But if it was one or two seasons, it would be known as a great show, I think. That's fair. I mean, 
Yeah, they got to do what they got to do. They they got those fucking superhero shows out because they didn't make money anymore. They're like, oh, gotta move on. So but, you so you were saying, sorry, we kind of went on a tangent. Yeah, no I want to get back to. So you were saying that you think Disney Plus is the is the leader in your eyes right now. Like that's like out of all the streaming services that you pay for or use, whatever. Yeah. You think that's the one that's worth your money, and if you could only pick one, which one is it? Oh be Disney fuck! Plus? Is it Disney Plus? Uh, they yeah, I think so. I think it's just the variety that they've been getting. I'm not saying there there isn't anything to improve on within Disney Plus. There is, but you compare it to the other streaming platforms, and it's just like everyone else is focusing on different issues, whereas Disney has focused on the ones that people notice quickest, mm-hmm. like Stars Media rated R films. You can get that now. Oh yeah. look, there's Star Wars. Oh look, everything, even the the platform is organized very well, beautifully. The, I the love UI it. is amazing. Yeah. Whereas with Netflix and Amazon, it feels it feels messy in comparison. Uh huh. I know so. what you mean. And like, yeah, they did because when I first got Disney Plus, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was just kids shit. It was yes. like, oh cool, I get to watch the shows I used to watch on Family Channel or, or watch yeah. some. Disney movies I grew up watching, yeah. but that that kind of wore off quickly. Yeah, you don't want to buy a streaming service just for nostalgia. Yeah, that's. And then they, like you said, they addressed that pretty quickly. They got the braided R stuff. They yeah, got, you know, movies that as adults actually want to really watch. Exactly, and, and are excited about. So I mean, it's hard to beat them with with the IPs they have, right? But I do think Netflix has brought us some great original content. Yep, and. Um, It'll be interesting to see where it goes. Somebody's got to win these wo- the streaming war, I think. I don't think that every all the streaming services we have now will be around in 5 years. I no. really don't think I don't I think that's impossible. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. Um I think we should wrap this up mm-hmm. by uh bringing it back to TV shows. Yes. And uh talking about our top 3 shows of all time. Top 3, Jesus. I mean I don't watch too many shows that often, but I'll, I'll name three yeah, shows. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting conversation because it's like we all talk about movies and yeah. like I don't think me and you have barely ever talked about shows. So it's just kind of getting yeah. to know us better uh, about what movies, what shows we like. Well, I don't have the order if I'm going to be honest with the top three shows, but I can name some that I would highly recommend. Obviously, Sopranos. Finished watching that. It's a great show. If you're really into like mob show, mob movies like Godfather and stuff, this is kind of like it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer, and it's great because it's one of those few media outlets that references those films. Yes, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. They did like, oh, you did the Mo Green, or whatever. so it's many, like, Holy so shit. many, and I always smile when they reference. Uh, and it's uh, very, it's still very modern. Yeah, even the last season, it it was like in the uh, 2000s. So. That show, uh, an underrated show that I don't hear a lot of people talk about within the crime genre is Mindhunter. It's a show about two detectives who interview various serial killers in the 70s and 80s. I'm going to check that one out. I have not seen that one. Really love it. Uh, David Fincher directed a few episodes. Oh, really? David Fincher? Yeah, I think he worked on it. um, Produced by Charlie Theron, I think. Um, But yeah, overall, great show. I wish they did more seasons, but uh, as of right now, it is... It is on hiatus, which is probably the best way of saying it's going to get canceled. Uh. <laughs> but regardless, and um, oh, geez, what's another? You know what? Fuck it. Seinfeld. Seinfeld's a funny show. Yeah, classic sitcom. I love I love the <laughs> 90s sitcom era. I'm a huge. I grew up watching reruns of 90s sitcoms. Yeah. So I love that era. Seinfeld's an absolute classic. Oh, yeah. There's no. So that's my top three. My top three um, in order. 
Okay, I'm going to say, actually, is... Number one is actually Breaking Bad. Nice. I like Breaking Bad as a story better than I like Sopranos, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, Breaking Bad's a masterpiece. You have to see it now. I got to watch it. I know. I'm behind Uh, on that one. Everybody's got to see it. It plays like a movie, so I know you'll love it. Hell yeah. And uh, my number two is Sopranos. And my number three is in the Breaking Bad universe. Ooh. It's Better Call Saul. Holy shit. Believe me, at first I was skeptical. I was like, a spinoff about the lawyer. Are they just fucking milking this? <laughs> but wow, by the end, you're like, you're just as invested. It's just as emotional. It's even better shot than Breaking Bad. Ooh. Once once an episode, I'm like, oh my God, what a shot. And yeah, it's a great show. All okay, right. So those are our recommendations. I'll get all that. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. A little bit of change of pace. Not talking about movies so much. Talking about TV shows. Let us know your favorite TV show in the comments. And let us know who you think's winning the streaming wars. Yeah. Um, thanks for watching. Leave a like. Uh, subscribe. And we'll catch you in the next one. Peace out, y'all. Peace.